Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all. And could I preface this by thanking every one of you who have sent donations to make this possible. And those of you listening throughout the world who would never be able to pay for this, um, just give thanks to God for those whose hearts filled with the love of God have given, enabling us to do this. So thank you. And um, I can never, and I mean it, I, I can never tell you how much it means to us, your, your gifts that are given in the name of Jesus. And they're... they're they're your love wrapped in dollars and cents and they are joining with us to achieve this incredible message around the world. Okay, I want to talk about something tonight that is fundamental to the whole scripture, but especially the New Testament. You could say it, it is the marker it, it, it's that, that defining mark of what happened when Jesus came. It defines us who have come into being because of him. And yet, at the, having said that, it may be a total shock to some of you to look at it, because the church, generally speaking... Um, wide swath of the brush, but generally speaking, the church has minimalized, marginalized, and forgotten this. And I, I want to read and get into this, and it could take us actually a few weeks to really see what this is saying. So let's get our feet wet. Okay, in John chapter 13, and in verse 34... A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men shall know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I know we've heard that before. But I ask the question of myself, as I do of you, have we ever really heard it? His new commandment. And of course it's in chapter 13, which is part of the chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, all that happened in the upper room just before Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, is arrested and enters into the sufferings, his death and his resurrection and his ascension and his giving to us of the Holy Spirit. This was his last words to the disciples and so to us before the great event takes place. 
And, and these words, um, they, they are of an importance that uh, I really can't find an adjective to give to it. Uh, supreme importance. They are the last words he gives to prepare these disciples for what is coming. They're, they're going to be plunged into the horror and the anguish and the confusion the darkness of watching Jesus suffer and die. But Jesus said, just hang in, hang in, because the day is coming. It, it's, it's right here, now. It's a matter of hours when there shall burst upon this world a new world, a new creation, something you've never seen, never dreamed of before, and, and, and we're minutes away from it. But before we get there, you will be plunged into such horror and, and such confusion. But he said, let me tell you just enough to carry you through, which you could say, let, let, me, let me give you this this new world that is coming, let me give it to you in sort of lecture 101. Let, let me just deal with the absolute basics. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he says in chapter 16, when the Holy Spirit comes, well now he'll teach you everything. Right now, no, I could never tell you what's coming, but uh, the Holy Spirit, he will explain he will guide you into all truth but right now just let me give to you the essential basics the sort of kindergarten of the kingdom of god isn't that amazing chapter 13 14 15 16 and the prayer he prayed in chapter 17 by his own words is the kindergarten it's 101 and yet so many believers have never even cracked the surface of these chapters and and th this is part of it this he says is a new commandment that i'm giving to you uh, and and you can get this you can get this this is 101 this is the beginning of the introduction to the preface of the first volume but you can get this huh. he says this is it a new commandment I give to you. Now, the words that are used here, uh, a lot of them, they, they need a little explanation because our English capability falls far short of what they're saying. So let's begin with this. He said, a new commandment. Now, th this is your first shock for some of you. You see, this word new does not mean new as the latest in a series. Hear me, what does that mean then? A new commandment, a new commandment, but it's not the latest in a series. You know what I mean? You buy a new car, but really all you mean by that is it's the latest in a series that began way back with the Model T, and this is the latest, and, and you've had cars upon cars upon, all upgraded and whatever, but this is the latest. Well, there's a word for that, but it's not this word. This means new in the sense you've never seen it before. It means there's no file in your mind to put this yet. This is new in kind. This is 
a new in character, never to have been seen or even thought of before. It's new in a way that it doesn't even belong in the series. Okay, then a new command, what's he saying? Well, just from the get-go, it, it means that this is not the latest in the series of all the commands of God given um, to Moses in the law. Now let me really blow our little minds apart. This then does not mean it's got anything to do essentially with the Ten Commandments. This is not the Ten Commandments on steroids. This is not an Eleventh Commandment. This is, this is not just, you know, the, what it says on your cereal box, new and improved. No, it isn't. This is something, said Jesus, you've never seen, you've never thought of, you couldn't comprehend. This is new. Christianity is not just an upgrading of the law of Moses. It, it, although it has its roots in the Old Testament and all its promise, but the Old Testament could never even imagine what was coming in Jesus. And therefore, when, when this comes, it is said it's a new commandment. Uh, it, it's, it's brand new, new command. It, it, this commandment it is not only not in the series of the law of Moses, but it is a dramatic, it's a radical move away from the law of Moses. We're not going back there. What is about to happen, said Jesus, in these next hours, is, is, is something that is going to change history. But it's more than that, because it gets to the very heart of humankind. And there, there, at the very beating pulse of what we call humanity, is going to happen something that will change the whole direction. It will change all potential. It will change all hope of all futures. And it's going to happen in a few hours. But understand this, what you don't understand, but do understand this, that when that happens, it will be characterized by this new commandment that's got nothing to do with God, what goes before. It is new. So you can't just put it there as the 11th commandment, because it isn't. It stands all by itself. It is something new. We, we needed the law, but that is over now. We are going to something that is infinitely beyond that. We're moving to the new. The new. In the New Testament, and interesting, that's the same word, new. New in kind. That is, it's not just an extension of the old. It's, it's brand new. Well, in the New Testament, what is it that makes the New Testament new? It, it is the event, again, that had never happened before, that could not be imagined, could not even be adequately described because we don't have the words to do it, which was the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Please hear me. Jesus didn't just come back from the dead. 
I mean, Lazarus did that. Jairus' daughter did it. Good grief, it even happened in the Old Testament. And, and, and so, no, 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 please. The resurrection is a different word to resuscitation. Resuscitation means you come back from the dead, but you will die again. But resurrection was a new word that we find very hard to put into any definition because it only happened so far once. Once in all of time and history, a human being resurrected, which means not only came back from the dead, but killed death. And in walking out of his own tomb, he has a body now that is deathless. It is a body that in every cell, an organ of that body has overcome and trashed death. So he will never die again. And therefore in that body, in that person, there is a life that humankind has never seen before. Everything we call life is in process of dying. But here is life that is just bursting with life that won't stop lifing. That's the new. Yeah, take a breath. (laughs) That's the new of the New Testament. That's what scientists cannot explain because it only happened once. They've got nothing to compare it to. Resurrection, resurrection and ascension, which was when he stepped into the other half of the universe, into what we call heaven, which is the very immediate presence of the Holy Trinity. This human God got into our human and now has carried that old human to death and rises out from death with a new human. A new human that can walk into the other half of the universe and look God the Father in the face and delight and laugh and joy and live there in the Father's love. That's the new. That's the new. And he said the result of that new will be here on earth. You will live with that life. And it will look like loving one another as I have loved you. Hmm. Oh, but I left one thing out, didn't I? When he ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit came on day of Pentecost and got inside us. Do you remember what it says? He he filled the room where they were sitting. So they were sort of in a sea of the Holy Spirit. But then it says he divided himself and came and sat upon each of them and then went into them. And the New Testament makes it crystal clear that every believer, everyone who rests in Jesus, that same Holy Spirit has come into us. 
and is the author in us of the very love wherewith God loves us. For the Holy Spirit, as I just said, is God. God the Holy Spirit, and therefore is one of the Holy Trinity, and that Trinity is love. And therefore the Holy Spirit is the bringer of love. He is the dance of love within us. He is the enlightenment of love. He is the embrace of love. He's the celebrator of love inside of us. That's new. That had never happened before. You realize that you, as you listen to me tonight, you have a relationship to the Holy Spirit that Moses and Abraham and David did not have. Think about that. You talk about new. This isn't just you catching up with David. This is something David only caught glimpses of. But we, 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 we live here. We live inside the new that had never been seen before ever been thought of before and it's the Holy Spirit that Jesus said would be the one who would teach us what he couldn't on that night because they, they just couldn't their brains wouldn't hold it but when the Holy Spirit came he revealed it. and what did he reveal he said what happened there in the sufferings of Jesus the death of Jesus the burial the resurrection the ascension that Jesus, because of who he is, in a way that our brains can't yet take in, he encompassed us all, and he carried all of us to the Father. And the Holy Spirit says, I'll teach you all about that. I'll be your mentor. I'll take your hand and I'll lead you. I'll give you a guided tour and I'll explain it along the way. I will guide you into where you've never been before and teach you what it's like to live inside the Holy Trinity while you're living with your two feet right here in your office or your factory. It's so new that even the prophets, when they caught a glimpse... They said, eye has not seen, nor ear heard. It's never entered into the heart of man. But the Holy Spirit has revealed it to us, said Paul. It's new. I'll tell you what it is. Heaven, and of course heaven is, is the very immediate presence and radiance and unveiledness of Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And this is so new, for it says God in Holy Trinity has come to live within us, within me, but me with you, so he's in us. I tell you what it is, it's what Jesus said to the disciples, pray for, but... we, we still pray its reality knowing it's done he said your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so the will of heaven is now firmly here on earth where is it in us it's new it's so new in fact um this saint john who wrote this is going to write in his epistle first epistle as he jesus is so are we in this earth 
And again, he's going to write, if we say we abide in him or dwell in him, make our home there, then we walk even as he walked. Or as Paul put it, Christ in you, the hope of glory, new. That's all so new. So please, if we do nothing else tonight, would you stop going back into the Old Testament as if that's our standard? You know, get all upset about the Ten Commandments. Look, when Jesus said a new commandment, I give to you, that said, everything back there is old then. It's very true. Absolutely true. But, in Jesus, we've gone somewhere the old could never take us. So, dare you, I challenge you, to leave the Old Testament and step into this newness of life, which to a person whose head has been marinated in the old laws, this newness of life could be quite scary. Okay, put that on hold. He says it's a new commandment. Well, I've really just said that, but let me say it maybe even clearer. He said, this is my new commandment. That is, it's a new kind of command. It's a new kind of command. So, don't go back there in the old. This isn't like, thou shalt not. Or thou shalt. No, no, no. That that had its place. It's, it's got a good place, but it's it's a beautiful place actually. But we, we we're going somewhere else here. You see, thou shalt not. It, it's it's got many things there. You you've got a superior giving a command, an order to an inferior with the suggestion that the inferior doesn't like the command too much and actually is pretty hostile but sort of uh, well I guess I'd better try and do it I better and, 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 and so you have that's the law you say the law says you mustn't do this you mustn't do that you can't do that and and my mortal flesh as well, actually, that was just what I was about to do. I, I rather like doing that, but, uh, well, I'll try hard. And I'll walk forward every week in my church and make promises to God that I'll try hard. But it says in Romans 8, you never made it because the law was weak. It could only tell you what it wanted. It couldn't achieve it because of you, the flesh. You couldn't, your, your flesh had no heart for it. Your, your flesh couldn't do it, and the more you tried, the worse it got. Doesn't work. Now, said Jesus, there's a new command. This is a command not like that. No, forget that. This command, actually, if you read the whole Gospel of John, you would see that it finds its root in the command the Father gave to the Son. Jesus talks about it. He said the Father commanded him. And I'll put in a nutshell that the Father's command to the Son was to bring the love of the Holy Trinity into our humanness, into the dirt roads of Israel, bring 
the love of God into a carpenter shop. Bring the love of God into family and friends and relationships, into broken and bruised and hurting and sick people. And bring the love of God, the love of God. Bring healing and wholeness and union. Jesus said, I did it as I have loved you. Now, he says, that command the Father gave me, I'm now passing on to you. I'm passing on to you this, this incredible, this unthought of, that God love, the love of the Father to the Son, to the Spirit, the Spirit to the Father, to the Son, and so on. The love that is unique within God, is now inside human. Jesus said that that's what he is. Jesus took a real human humanity. And in that humanity, he hammered out and revealed what God is really like. The love of God inside human, inside human thoughts, inside human desires, inside human imagination, inside human ambition, inside a human body. And God love expressed in us. Jesus said, now I'm passing, the, the, this is it, you see, I, I came to bring you where I am, bring you to be my body on earth. Which means this is a commandment that is totally different. This isn't saying, have a go at this. This is not something external to me, imposing on me something that I just can't do, don't want to do. No, this is internal. This is in my very heart. There's an impartation of this. God coming inside is part of the command. He just doesn't tell us. The very command is saying he comes himself within. Or as the ancient prophets had said in Jeremiah 31, I will write my law on your heart it won't be out here down on you but rather in your core being nestling inside your want to's or as Ezekiel 36 it says I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways that's hit this command. This command is God coming inside of us. This isn't just hitting our eardrum. This is God in Jesus through the Spirit coming inside of us. It's spoken within us. It's the implanted goal of the Father and the Son. Or I'll go to the extreme and say, this command that he's talking about is the very nature of God, Holy Trinity, inside of us. Or as Peter says in his epistle, we become partakers of the divine nature. And what's the divine nature? Love. God is love. Oh, no wonder I said that this command that comes inside of us and is the very presence of God, the nature of God, brought into us through the Spirit. This, this, is, this is turning the whole 
I was going to say the whole of life. It is even more than that. I mean, we're dealing with the very essence of being. That, that I'm turning away from law. I'm turning away from just a bunch of rules to... What can I say? To union with God and for me to live is to express and display this this love of God. Everything we thought a commandment was has gone down the drain. This is something new. This is God speaking within. And, and he speaks of it as a done deal. He, he doesn't say, have a go at this. He doesn't say, if you try hard enough. He doesn't say, we can work at this. It's not the sigh that says, I wish I could do that. If only, you know, all that sort of religious talk. I do my best. I'll try. No, he he's talking very done deal here. He says, I've already done this, you see, as I loved you. This is what I've been doing in front of your eyes. This is what I've modeled in front of you. Now I'm giving it to you. So this commandment is spoken to us as, as, as a finale. That this is something done. It's something achieved. And it's been achieved in a real, authentic human, Jesus, who was none other than God in that true human and it was, and I'll say, hammered out in real human situations with, with real nasty humans. Jesus expressed what this love is. In the face of broken humans, Jesus showed this love in, in healing and making whole. Given to us, finished, done, placed within us. You can't add to this, can't add to it. You, you realize, I'm, telling, I'm not telling you to try. Don't be daft. I'm not a religious idiot. You can't try to be like God. Only when God, through Jesus being the prototype, the first, and then He giving His Holy Spirit into us so that the Father in Christ through the Spirit lives in us now. It's not a matter of trying, it's a matter of let. This has been imparted into us. Or could I say this, and I might say this a lot more as days go by, this is your new identity. This is who you are. It's not who you're trying to be. It's not what you ought to be, should be. This isn't the, the grist of some miserable preacher that just wants to condemn you. No, he can't use this. This is done. This is gift. This is imparted in the words of Jesus. This is who you are. Who you are. He, he's going to say it. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have this love one for another. It's your identity. This is how people will know that you're one of mine. This is what new birth is. How that phrase has been kicked around. New birth. But new birth, 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 birth. It, it means a source from above. It means that I find the roots of my very being in God himself. I belong to his family. 
and I bear the family resemblance, which is love. Which means I have left the world of the lie, which is characterized by self for myself. So this new, this new commandment is the love which is uniquely God-love inside the human. Well, what is that unique love? Well, you see there again, that's a word that doesn't come through in English here. New, we've seen that. Commandment, I hope we've seen that. You love. And that word love in the Greek language there is agape. And if you've been around us for very long, you'll, you'll know that agape is the word that is used to describe God love. It was another word on the streets of Greece and Rome in those days to describe human love. The love that emerges out from self for myself. Now that, that's another word, won't even go there least not tonight but this word agape this is god love what what is god oh god love is so different to our love god love is self for others god love is the givingness the the uncreated unbegun givingness of god that's who he is it's who he is he doesn't have it he is it which he is it then it means it doesn't arise unexpectedly through feeling. You see, human, human love is dictated by feeling. If, if, you, if I feel good about you, if you make me feel good, if I find pleasure being with you, it's all about me, see. But God love is the love of intention. It's got nothing to do with feelings to begin with. It sure has feelings as it moves on. But, but to understand this love, it's, it's the feeling, it's rather, it's rather the love that it, it, it reaches out because of the kind of love it is. It is not a love that is produced by your beauty. It's not a love that's produced because you're so jolly good. It's not produced because you are so righteous, God just couldn't keep his eyes off you. No, this is God is love, which means it's a love of intention. It's a love of choice. It's a love of the will that determines to set this love upon you. And so the, this love is uncreated, it's personal, it, it's, it's limitless energy. For oh, love never fails. Love goes into the pit of the sewer of hell and transforms it. It arises from his will, his intention. And what is his intention? To unite with you or to bring you into him and he be in you the ultimate words of union in to join together yet never becoming the other too distinct and yet god says i love you and i will to unite with you so that i'm inside of you and you're inside of me 
And such a love which is driven by an uncreated desire, purpose, will overcome anything and everything that stands between him and that happening. And so he will overcome all that would separate this love. Huh. Now he says it's in us. Us, us, us. Because actually there again, um, that's you and, and that's in plural. So it's you all love one another. There's no such thing as a private faith. I know here in the Western world we often think it is. It's just me and Jesus. But the fact is there's no such thing. And for me to come into Father and Son and Holy Spirit and for Him to come and dwell within me means I become one with a community of lovers. It means that now I am going to be part of this displaying to the world the love of God in Christ, the way I love you and you love me and we love them. The world's going to see it. And we are to be, in fact, the functional body of Christ upon earth. And so a community of acceptance a community where arms are open. That means the heart is exposed. A community where there's no lies, because lie cannot live in the presence of God love. For God love is light and lie is darkness. It means that there's no masks then. I'm not trying to pretend to you I'm better than you. We can look each other in the eye and it's safe to be vulnerable because there's this Holy Spirit presence who is the love of God among us. Anything that would separate you from me must be overcome. Anything that would divide us must be disintegrated. That's what this love does. Which of course means that number one priority of this love is to forgive one another, release people from our grasp where we would be judge, jury and executioner of people we release them into this love this is a community where there is forgiveness forgiveness a community where there is shed abroad, says the scripture, the love of God. Incidentally, you know, there's only one God love. This word agape, there's only one. Have you ever thought about that? You see, the love with which God the Father loves the Son, the Son, the Father, the Spirit, and so on. That is, that's agape. And, and when God becomes flesh and takes on genuine human the love that that one God in flesh experiences is the same love that was experienced from unbeginning in Holy Trinity. But now when He sends the Holy Spirit into us, that's the same love. Get it? This is the same love with which the Father loves the Son, Jesus. Same love is now put into us. God loves you the same as he loves Jesus. There's not two or three agapes. God is 
agape. So wherever you find agape, it's God. Wherever God is, there is agape. You, you don't get a sort of downgrade. That this is when he loves humans. No. You are loved with the same love that is found inside the Holy Trinity. And that, said Jesus, will then flow through you to one another. As I have loved you. Yeah, I've said this, but let me underline it. Jesus is the first human. See, you mustn't think of Jesus as God pretending to be human. Some people do. That's not in the scripture. Jesus is the real McCoy. Jesus is, is genuinely God, but God who in his love for us limited himself to being a genuine human, facing life as a genuine human. And so he loved us. His whole life is summed up in that statement. But he, that love with which he loved us, he did it in and through human. So Jesus is the prototype. Yes, hear that word carefully. Jesus is the prototype. He's the first of a multitude who, in union with him, will live his love. Or as Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Or again, I live, yet no longer I, it is Christ who lives in me. Okay, Jesus is not the... What the picture on the wall, the uh, the standard. Look, some of my dear friends, and I. It, it's where you're at on your journey. But you know, what, when you went around saying, "What would Jesus do?" You know, I've got enormous problems with that. I'm sorry, but I do. What would Jesus do? That means there he is up there, you know. He, he's the standard. Now, me, I've got, I'm down here now. I've got to do, what would he do? See, what would he do? I've got to figure out what he would do and then, dear Lord, pull up my bootstraps and cry for help to do it. No. Jesus is not our example by which to try and live and struggle to follow. He is, I said, the prototype. He is the example of who we now are. I look at Jesus and I see he is the image of God in human and I have been joined to him through Holy Spirit. That's what his coming is all about. So, I mean, this would take you long time for it to sink in with the Holy Spirit right there being your mentor because we're just not used to this that you are so united to Jesus he calls you a part of his body I mean this is a part of my body this is a part of my body uh, and every part of my body is filled with Malcolm life and there are nerve endings from every cell in this body that go to my brain and I have... It's incredible. This is me. 
Yes, and you are one of the body of Christ. It means that He dwells in you, through you, by you. And that dwelling is this divine love in and through you. I know. Religion has de-supernaturalized the gospel. They can hardly bring themselves to believe in the incarnation. That their talk about the cross is as if it was just a regular old human who died on the cross and we, we should all get weepy about it. Uh, they, they bypass the resurrection as fast as they can because it doesn't make sense. Ascension, they hardly talk about it, if at all. Holy Spirit, well, he left the planet 500 years after the apostles, didn't he? Or even earlier than that. That's what I was taught. And as to what happened to you, well, you're having a jolly good try, aren't you? You're trying to be nice, and you're trying to be like Jesus, and, 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 and you pray every week that, you know, you blew the whole thing, but you're trying hard. God bless you. You're trying to be kind of a decent human being. I don't know what that whole mess is, but it's not Christianity. Christianity is 100%, 110% supernatural. It begins in the incarnation. God becomes flesh, human. It is that in his death, in the mystery of God, he took a hold of every one of us and carried us with him through his death and resurrection, and ascension, and as I've said, <laughs> being a Christian is the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Romans 8 says, Romans 8 and 9, if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. This is the mark. And the Holy Spirit is the love of God, pouring out God's love in our hearts. Supernatural. The Christian life is not trying your best. The Christian life is awakening to the fact I'm in union with God through Jesus. For me to live in this now moment is Christ. Oh yeah. <laughs> By this shall all men know, he said, that you are my disciples. This, this is, is, is... Jesus is saying to the world... I, I, you, you can look at these people and you'll know the ones who are my disciples because they love one another with the same love with which I have come to bring into the world and to love them. Do, do you understand? Huh. I mean, we, we've done all the funniest things. It, it, I mean, they'd be funny if it wasn't so tragic all the things we do to try and get the world's attention oh boy we build churches with gymnasiums and restaurants and, and uh, every kind of care uh, and we, 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 we miss the whole thing look Jesus prayed this in John 17 and it really, at least, is what I've been attempting to say. Now he's praying it in verse 22. He prays to the Father, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. That, so the glory of God to us and in us is that they may be one. 
just as we, Holy Trinity, is one. I, Jesus, I in them, you, Father, in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. There it is. By this, they'll all know. They'll see the love that we have one for another. So, so you're not known as a Christian by a lot of odd rules that you have, you know. You, you see them on... I, I, no, I shouldn't really go here. You know, but I, I can't help it. I, I mean, I see them all dressed up in, in, in suits that they would normally wear for funerals or weddings. And, and they all go like little robots. And, 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 then, and as they pass other Christians who are going to another church building, they won't talk to each other because they're not like us, you see. But when they get inside the building, just if you, if you hang around for half an hour or so, you'll hear all the gossip you wanted to know. You'll hear people who have been rejected, circles drawn, you're in, you're out. And then I was in one church where, where they put a big badge on that they wore to work. It says, I am a Christian. Good grief if you have to wear a badge to let people know you're a Christian. They shall know you're my disciples because of this love that is within you through the Holy Spirit. And when they come among you, they will be amazed and astonished by the love that they see between yourselves and see there's no lies here there's no gossip there's no slander there's no destroying one of another there's no separating there's no dividing there's vulnerability there is love one for another not a bible study on love but a bunch of people living love huh well I suppose you could say that when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What all this amounts to is that Jesus was saying, after he's risen from the dead and ascended and the Holy Spirit is given, if they see you, they see me. Christ in you, you see. They'll be drawn to you. They'll, You know, I, I think it's true to say that very few people have really rejected Jesus. Very few. I know multitudes that have rejected the church because it's a place of unlove. <laughs> Should say something. See, this love is like a magnet. This love draws. This love opens their eyes. This love makes them stop in their tracks. Mind you, at the same time, the world will also do to this love what they did to the original. They hated him. They despised him. They killed him. It's happening in the Middle East right now, but it happens all over. Why is it that the public church has minimized this commandment? The only commandment Jesus gave. It's a commandment that umbrellas across an entire lifestyle. 
And yet the church has minimized it in favor of a whole bunch of frivolous, idiotic rules. I remember a pastor saying to me, and he said it with great pride. He said, in this church, we will not allow a deacon who smokes cigarettes or drinks wine. He cannot be a deacon if he does that. I said, how interesting. I I said, is that same deacon allowed to slander, gossip, hold bitterness, unforgiveness? Or is it just that he, you know, doesn't smoke? Isn't it crazy? We've got, where where do you come up with this? Where, where, Where did you invent such an idiotic religion that bypasses totally the one thing that Jesus commanded and invent another whole world of, we don't do this, we don't do that, we don't go there, we don't... I don't care what you don't do. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. My question is, what do you do? You see, what do you do? Love. Why have we majored on harsh condemnation and exclusion when the whole message is a love that transforms our life? Why, why put up all the silly little programs that are very poor, shabby imitations of the world instead of introducing people to the greatest adventure of a new creation? The Holy Spirit, the mentor, where you, you enter into a world of love. Now, just, just to go, I don't know if you're, you're thinking ahead of this moment, but you, you start thinking of walking into your office, your factory, your school, walking into the PTA, walking among your neighbors with this kind of love. You talk about adventure. Uh, the Bible says that there would come a time when men would deny the power. They'd have a form of godliness, but they'd deny the power and the power of the gospel is is love. This is the passion of the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is working. The the, the movement of, of God is our growth, our maturity in this. God is saying this is who you are and this is who you therefore are becoming. His activity in your life is not about all the things you are not. He doesn't. All his concern is who you are in Christ and Christ in you. And therefore he's moving you to grow in that and become. And then all this other stuff will drop off. You'll, You'll be transformed by a love that just pushes everything else out I'll I'll finish with this Jesus said and it's further down here well why yeah verse 15 of chapter 14 because he keeps on talking about this love all the way through these chapters but he says in verse 15 of chapter 14 if you love me you will keep my commandments. That's interesting. If you love me. I find many. I I found it in myself until all of this took a hold on me. But 
When we think, if you love me, said Jesus, if you love me, that that doesn't mean then that I, I just sit there and say, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. Incidentally, that has its place, but not yet. Nor, nor is loving Jesus having a praise and worship session. That surely has its place, but not yet. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, well, hold it. What does that mean? You know, read your Bible, pray, but don't, 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 don't. No. What is his command? He only gave one. If you love me, my commandment, love one another as I have loved you. So he said, if you love me, love me by loving one another. Sometimes it looks like we, we, here, here comes the love of God to us, like water through a faucet. Well, when a water comes through faucet, what do we do? We, we use it, we direct it, we... You, you don't somehow do the impossible and send it back, you know? Sort of do a U-turn, thank you water for coming, here it is, I'll show you how much I love you by sending it back to you. No, said Jesus, don't send it back to me. If you love me, love me by loving one another, which is the only command I give. I think that's what Peter meant when he said, such as I have, I give to you. I have the love of God poured, so I now give it to you. We give out of the fullness of what he's given to us. And once that is established, then your I love you, Jesus, and your praise and your worship takes on a whole new solid reality. We're not in a fantasy never-never land of just thank you, Jesus. This is that we have become totally involved in this love from God, out from us, which gives glory to Him. And we are caught now in the hilarious praise and worship and thanking him for such, such a giving and receiving, responding to love. Well, uh, there it is, at least for now. I think it will take us all of the next week to get through this. Uh, It is for me. Uh, although I have lived here for a long time but in in putting this together I am challenged all over again with, with the wonder of this gospel and so let the Holy Spirit take you inside that scripture and next week we shall pick this up and take yet a closer look at the love We love, says 1 John, we love because he first loved us. So, now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His blessing, the gift of his Holy Spirit to you, your guide, your teacher, your mentor, May that be known in your life this week as you adventure 
into the riches of his grace. So I bless you. That's the way it is.